You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by ZeroMo, a non-profit initiative helping transition to battery-powered lawn and gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of The Driven as well as Renew Economy. And um, today the subject is about electric vehicles or is that our only choice in the future? Um, It's been fascinating to see electric vehicles dominating the front pages of the mainstream media over the past week. Um, It's also been interesting to see some of the studies which are coming out internationally talking about the need for electrification of energy, which includes transport and heat and manufacturing. And of course, that has major implications for the way that we um, move from one place to another. And I guess with all this focus on electric vehicles, maybe it's time to think about what is the best choice in the short, medium and long term? Is it going to just be batteries? Is it going to be biofuels? Will it also be hydrogen? Because we're hearing a lot about the hydrogen economy as well. And the first person I thought to have on um, the podcast to discuss this was Stephanie Morose. Um, Stephanie is a long time... She, well, um, well, first of all, I'm going to welcome Stephanie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, look, um, you're um, an engineer. You actually voted one of the most innovative engineers um, in Australia a couple of years ago. You have worked in battery technology. You've worked in hydrogen. You're a long time at the head of Nano Nouvelle um, in the um, uh, nanotechnology, which um, I tried to write about a couple of times, but I've got to say, it used to sort of blow my head a bit, I think, with all the complications. (laughs) (laughs) And you're now heading a um, consultancy called Devance. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So sort of just give, give, give us an overview then basically of your background. I mean, you've done both battery and hydrogen, haven't you? Yes, I originally started out in hydrogen fuel cells and I'm from Canada. So I started with Ballard Power Systems in Vancouver. And with them, I moved to Germany and uh, continued to work with Ballard Power Systems, leading the integration of the fuel cell into the Mercedes F-cell vehicle. And um, at, at one point, I decided to, to move on. I moved to France and uh, got into internal combustion engine research and development. And uh, that, was, that was really, really good. Enjoyed that for a while. And then, uh, then I popped over to Brisbane, another big move. And uh, I was working on hydrogen storage materials, so a solid state form of hydrogen storage. And, and then I spent five years developing the uh, lithium-ion battery materials with Nano Nouvelle. Okay, well, you've sort of covered all the bases. And uh, you were speaking a couple of weeks ago at the Smart Energy Conference, and you gave a fascinating presentation, um, mostly just about the choice between battery and hydrogen and why technologies would work at some levels and not others, and vice versa, and the sort of choices that we might have to make. And you mentioned the Mercedes F-cell vehicle, and uh, I was quite fascinated by that and uh, where that technology is up to, and I'm looking forward to discussing that later on. But first of all, look, there's been this big public debate over electric vehicles over the last couple of weeks. Um, some of it seemed quite balmy. I think Labor's de- described it as the most loopiest campaign they've ever heard without wanting to get too political because maybe that's not your nature. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that we're discussing technology in this way, even if some of the arguments seem a bit daft? <laughs> well, I, I think it's certainly a good thing to draw attention to it. It's it's really unfortunate the way it's been been drawn attention to it, though, because... 
I mean, at first I, I had to, I thought it was a joke, actually. I couldn't believe that was actually coming out. And, uh, but no, it's actually, these things are being said, which um, hopefully, hopefully the voting public will stop and think about things and look into things to actually understand the situation and not simply take things at face value when they're, when they're spoken. Mm. What were the things that sort of struck you? What sort of things was it? Let's talk about the battery or the range or the price or the fact that people wouldn't be allowed to buy their own cars or the end of the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> well, all of the above. I mean, it's, it's all just, it's, it's all been proven wrong in, in quite some time now. It's, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago and when the very first prototype battery vehicles were were on the road and, and you couldn't go very far and you were always worried about your plug-in. But uh, now, I mean, you see some of the some of the vehicles on the market and they're, they're absolutely fantastic. So it's yeah. hard but, to but, see where um, that's coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Look, let's get let's get into this um, thing about between batteries, um, biofuels, batteries or hydrogen. Should, is it worth just getting biofuels out of the way first? Um, because you, you sort of wrote a blog post on um, on your website a couple of weeks ago talking about the sort of the choice between biofuels, battery and hydrogen. And biofuels, I don't get the impression that you're much in favour of them simply because while in theory you could reduce emissions from biofuels, with the use of biofuels they have um, larger impacts further down the track. What's, uh, what's your estimation? Well, I wouldn't completely discount biofuels. I think that uh, they may have a role, but it would probably be uh, a minor role in, in more niche applications where perhaps batteries or hydrogen, neither one is, is very good. So um, back when I was in internal combustion engines, people, well, the, the, the hybrids were not yet using lithium-ion batteries, so full battery vehicles didn't seem very realistic, and hydrogen was still quite a long ways off. And it's still not here completely yet. So, so the the big push to decarbonize was really biofuels, and um, but you know it very quickly came up that if you want to have the quantity of biofuels that you need to replace the the petroleum uh, products, then it it would just be absolutely catastrophic from for the for the environment. It would the amount of agriculture that would require would just be untenable. But I think there's still, there is still some potential because in some applications, it, it just having that, that liquid fuel is is really beneficial. Mm. What sort of applications we're we talking about? Aviation or shipping or something? Yeah, or or remote. I mean, it depends because some some biofuels now they're they're finding ways to grow things that don't compete with the food um, the food supply that don't destroy the the agricultural land. So. You know, there's still only a limited amount of that that you can grow, but um, but they that is possible. And so, you know, liquid fuels it it means you can use the traditional combustion engines. You don't have to to adapt them very much. There's mm. some adaptation required for biofuels, but so I, I think there there is still a small role for them in the energy mix. Okay, let's go back to this um, one of the premises that you were sort of. Um, um, putting to the conference at the Smart Energy Conference a couple of weeks ago, and you basically sort of pitched battery versus hydrogen, and it has been seen as a bit of you know a choice between one or the other for some time, and it's thought that battery electric vehicles have stolen the march on hydrogen because they've gotten the cost down quicker. But um, you don't think it's quite as simple as that. Can you just maybe just sort of go through some of that presentation and some of that thinking that was behind there? Mm -hmm. 
Well, there are quite a few variables that you need to look at when when you're looking at uh, batteries or hydrogen. They're both electric drivetrains, so I think that's one really important thing to understand is that the vast majority of the vehicles are actually the same, and uh, and all of that electric, um, all those electric components, whether it's batteries or fuel cells, you will be able to continue to bring the cost down for both vehicles. Mm-hmm. So they do have quite a strong synergy. Now there are very specific aspects to uh, to batteries and and fuel cells. Uh, but even those are becoming closer together as, as batteries, the range increases, they start to become more competitive with, with hydrogen. And uh, also with hydrogen, as in some places the refueling possibilities increase and it, then it starts to be competitive as well. So, yeah, there's really quite a few different aspects. Um, like let's go through them one by one. Do you want, do you want to start this? <laughs> Um, let, let's, let's, let's talk about performance and cost and, um, and what have you. Well, the performance and the cost, it's interesting because a lot of people like to say one's better than the other. And the, the challenge with saying that is it all depends on how you've engineered the system. So for a long time, the first battery vehicles, they couldn't go very far. They couldn't go very fast. They were very slow to accelerate. Everyone said that that's just the fact of life for batteries. And then Tesla came along and, and simply proved that completely wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> went, went from the golf buggy to the high-performance car. Exactly. And it, it was all around the engineering. And with, with the fuel cells, they, with our fuel cell vehicles, we started out with, with very high performance and um, really trying to emulate the, the driving experience of, of other vehicles. And then as cost considerations came in and things, people started paring that back a little bit and, and uh, reducing the performance. So it, it, all, it always ends up being, I mean, it's the same as a petrol or a diesel vehicle. You can have very fast, very expensive ones, or you can have the more economical, um, but, but maybe not quite as fast to accelerate versions. So I think from that perspective, they aren't that different. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about the sort of the costs and the, and the operating costs? Well, the the operating cost it it'll end up depending very much on your regional situation because if you're recharging your your batteries, then it's all about the electricity price, and if you're recharging with uh, hydrogen, then then it's of course all about the hydrogen price. So, mm-hmm. so where does the hydrogen come from? How is it produced? If it's produced from electricity, then it comes back to being the the electricity price. But but if it's uh, if it's shipped in from somewhere else, if it's uh, produced from natural gas, then, then the price could be very different from the, the battery recharging option. And, and electricity prices are wildly different in different parts of the world. Well, that's right, yes. Okay. Well, what about the sort of the warranty in the lifetime aspect? Well, it, it comes back a bit to the, to the performance and the cost and um, again the the warranty in the lifetime because with the the battery vehicles if you drive them really hard with a lot of hard accelerations fast charging then you will end up wearing out the batteries a bit faster and it comes down though to the engineering how much uh, engineering has gone into elaborate cooling systems to avoid having that degradation when they're when they're being heavily used and, and similarly with a fuel cell, if, if you um, push it really hard, it, it may have um, less of a lifetime. Mm. But, but again, it's kind of ends up being, 
you can argue it either way very easily, and that's why each camp is able to argue that the other one's not very good. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, let's move on to sort of the convenience of recharging or refueling. Um, battery electric vehicles have the advantage, I think, because they can be easily refueled or recharged at home as well as on um, fast charges. What's the case with hydrogen? Well, it's batteries are, are easy to refuel or recharge if you own your own home and you can build a recharger and you have a dedicated place to park. A lot of places, in not so much in Australia, but in Europe, a lot of people park on the street, anywhere they can find a spot. And so they, unless someone rolls out street parking infrastructure, which would be quite, quite an undertaking, then those people won't be able to recharge very easily. Uh, so, so it is convenient at home, but only if you can. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and if, you're, if you're renting the place, you know, a lot of people in, in Australia as well, a lot of people rent, so it may be more difficult to install a charger at home. Okay. Now, now, the hydrogen option, it ends up being, in, in principle, pretty much the same as today with petrol or diesel. You, you simply drive up, uh, connect it, wait two, three minutes, and then um, pay and drive off. So, so that's extremely convenient if the infrastructure is there to refuel. So it <laughs> gets back to that infrastructure question, whether you have a refueling station nearby or, or not. And, and then when it comes to fast charging, I guess this is part of that debate that, that has been raging. Um, fast charging, it is, it is harder on the batteries, but there's an enormous amount you can do through, through the engineering with, um, with uh, dedicated cooling systems, uh, especially liquid cooling. Uh, I've even seen um, cooling using the, the refrigerant from the air conditioning to really keep the batteries from overheating when you're fast charging. And then, uh, then it comes down to whether you have those fast chargers available and, and whether there's a, a spot available. So it still, still won't be as quick as hydrogen, but you know if you have to stop for 15 minutes, that's probably not the end of the world either. Okay. What about the environmental impact then? We sort of, um, we're kind of told that um, with an electric vehicle with batteries, um, and a battery electric vehicle, I suppose I should be quite specific now because we're talking about two different types of electric mm -hmm. vehicles, with a battery electric vehicle um, in a coal-dominated grid like New, um, like Victoria, it's probably pretty low and bore whether there's actually any savings at all, but in other grids it's probably a bit more marked, and then obviously in a renewable energy grid in South Australia and then in Tasmania, it's much cleaner. What's the status with um, fuel cell electric vehicles? We actually published a report a couple of um, months ago from the University of Queensland, um, which suggested that because of the extra energy required to make the hydrogen, um, unless the grid was very, very highly renewable, then it was probably going to end up being a worse outcome. What's, what's your estimate of it? Well, that report, I believe I saw the one that you're referring to, and, and that's assuming that you're producing the hydrogen via electrolysis at the location that you would be charging your battery vehicle. And so a couple things, a couple points to that. One is that the hydrogen might come from somewhere entirely different. And so um, in that case, it could be made in, in somewhere that is fully renewable energy and simply brought to you, uh, whereas mm -hmm. electricity is a little bit harder to transport. Uh, another aspect is that uh, if you were recharging your battery from a coal-fired <laughs> electricity supply, uh, then even if your hydrogen is coming from natural gas, it's, it's probably going to be cleaner than your, your coal 
um, supplied electricity. So it, it really comes down to the specifics of the situation again. So that, mm. that's the operational aspect of the environmental impact, but there's also a couple other really key, key elements to the environment. And one is actually manufacturing the, um, the, the car to, to begin with and what sort of materials and, and what, how much energy is used in that production. And uh, in that case, I'd say fuel cells probably come out of fairways ahead of batteries simply because most of the high energy types of batteries use cobalt. And uh, cobalt at the moment is uh, extremely, both environmentally and socially, uh, not, not a good source. It's, it's mostly coming out of the Congo where mm -hmm. People are in very poor conditions um, mining this cobalt. And then also a lot of the uh, processes in, in building the batteries use different chemicals and, and different aspects that are not always environmentally friendly. Uh, whereas the fuel cells, the materials that go in tend to be a fair bit cleaner simply because the fuel cell doesn't tolerate a lot of impurities. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so you, you have to be pretty clean with what you put in there in the first place. So that's the beginning of life. And then at the end of life, recycling, you have a very similar situation where the fuel cells are, are quite easy to uh, recycle and extract the valuable materials, whereas batteries, lithium-ion batteries, are very difficult to recycle. It takes a huge amount of energy. It's very dangerous uh, because you need to make sure that your plant can, can withstand all of the risks of dismantling uh, lithium-ion batteries, which often don't like to be <laughs> Don't, don't like, like to be, be dismantled. So where are we then in the um, in, in the race between um, battery electric vehicles and hydrogen? Um, we're going to get onto the hydri hybrid solution in a minute, but mm -hmm. it was just a choice between the two of them. Where are we at the moment? I mean, the common belief is that battery electric vehicles are here now. They're falling down the cost curve a lot quicker. They've got the infrastructure, even though obviously in places like Australia you need a lot more infrastructure, but they've actually got, you know, they're starting to get some, whereas with fuel cell vehicles there's only a handful out there and there's probably only two recharging stations in the in the whole country and um and it's thought because of the you know there's simply less models and therefore the prices are higher um so i guess look my, my question is twofold is that a fair representation of what's happening in the passenger vehicle market and is it fair to say as some people do that hydrogen will probably find its place with bigger vehicles you know with trains and with um uh, with trucks and um, other 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 vehicles that require a lot more sort of storage stored capacity. Yeah, I think at, in in the short term, batteries certainly have pulled ahead, and particularly in Australia, there's there's been a lot more attention around them, and and even overseas, they're they're still so far ahead of hydrogen vehicles that it it is difficult to then. If you've already if you're already already rolling out one infrastructure for for battery vehicles, then the question comes: Well, do you really want to roll out another infrastructure for for another type of electric vehicle? So um, so to some extent, batteries do have the head start in passenger car vehicles, but where you have fleets and they all get refueled in the same location, then it, it becomes quite easy to to look at hydrogen fuel cells. And because it is easier to get that range with the fuel cell, you just put a bigger tank on, you don't have to actually change the, the fuel cell system. The, the very long range uh, applications such as trains and, and long haul trucks 
do seem a bit better suited to the fuel cell options. And even buses, there's, there's electric buses going in, but there's also fuel cell buses going in, quite, quite a large number of fuel cell buses around the world. And it does make it easier to refuel the bus. They don't have to then stick to any particular path. For example, if you're recharging regularly, then you have to be pretty close to the, to the recharging mm-hmm. location, whereas a fuel cell can be more autonomous like a, like a regular bus. And another thing that's really interesting overseas is that the, the, the biggest market right now for fuel cells is actually with materials handling, so forklifts in warehouses. And uh, that's been an enormous market, actually, for, for small fuel cells. And the reasons is because it's actually economic today to do that, because uh, when, when it's indoors, they can't use internal combustion engines, so they can't use diesel or, or, or petrol or any kind of engine. So in the past, they've used lead-acid batteries. And uh, the problem is lead-acid batteries, they all run out at the same time. <laughs> so you get this massive queue of operators trying to replace their batteries. And you, oh, also, right. and you also have this huge storeroom of batteries on charge. And, uh, and the, another aspect is that as the battery wears down, like the charge drops, then the forklift is not as strong, so it might not pick up the same load that it picked up earlier in the day. So with fuel cells, the operator can just top up their fuel supply whenever they want. There's, they get rid of that whole big storeroom of batteries, gets rid of that risk of having all those batteries sitting there that might leak or do other unpleasant things. And so mm. it's actually been quite successful in uh, North America and, and lately also in Europe too replace forklift fleets with fuel cells. Well, that's interesting. Now, I want to get onto this hybrid car. This sort of, you know, we, we sometimes think about hybrids as being sort of, you know, a little bit battery and a lot um, petrol or diesel. But um, this is one I've got to admit I haven't heard much about. This is the hybrid electric and with um, with fuel cell. And you mentioned the Mercedes-Benz GL, GLC F-cell. Um, from the introduction, you sounded like it first came out a few years ago. Well... Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really interested to know um, when it did come out and what, what, what the status is now, and um, and what the attraction is. Uh, well, Mercedes has been calling their fuel cell car F cell since um, probably around 2000. So it's had many different versions, and the one that, that well, the, the two or three that I worked on are, are uh, have long since been superseded. So, the the one that's the hybrid is very recent. It's um, it's model twenty nineteen. So I think it was announced just the end of twenty eighteen, and um, I was I was really happy to see that because back when we were working on it, uh, from the engineering perspective, we really said, well, why why don't we just um, put a big battery in here and just like the Prius, right? (laughs) And uh, at that point, there were these rumors of this new type of battery called lithium ion that might be able to be small enough to do that with. And and, uh, all the car companies, though, were simply absolutely against it. They said, no, it's either a battery vehicle or it's a fuel cell vehicle. It can't be both. And uh, so when that finally came out, and it was just sort of a little bit of a victory dance for the engineers, I guess, because... It, it's, uh, it's got um, uh, enough range, it's around 49 kilometers range, they say, for, uh, so that's enough to do your day-to-day commuting if you have difficulty accessing a um, hydrogen supply. 
mm-hmm. or it has 479 kilometers range on the hydrogen. So you can do the long distance trips with, with the hydrogen, fill up very quickly and easily without fast charging your battery, but you can recharge your battery every day. If, if you don't want to fill it with hydrogen, you can recharge your battery every day at home and, and do all of your daily commute on the battery. And it, I think there's a few benefits because, well, it, it just really gives you that flexibility in your fuel supply that if you want to run exclusively on hydrogen, you can. If you want to run exclusively on batteries, you, you can at least around, around the city. So I, okay. I thought that was a great, great development. Is anybody else doing anything similar? Um, I think Toyota, for instance, are investing a lot in uh, fuel cell technologies and Hyundai as well. Are they thinking about some of these uh, hybrid crossovers between battery and fuel cell? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't actually heard of that. Hyundai has both really good battery and really good fuel cell vehicles. And, and Toyota has always been a bit more fond of the fuel cell, but they've been doing a lot of work on batteries as well. So uh, I think... I think yeah, it's a quite a logical outcome, and so I would expect that they're at least uh, at least working on prototypes without mm. maybe maybe announcing it just yet. <laughs> okay, and um, in, in, any information about how this um, 2019 version of the F-Cell um, hybrid, um, the Mercedes-Benz, is going, and uh, or even how much it costs? I don't have that information. I haven't uh, I haven't checked into it lately, and it, at any rate, it wouldn't be offered in Australia very soon. Most things tend to come here a fair bit later. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not. Well, it'd be fascinating to see how it goes. So, so, how do you see this all playing out then? In the end, will we have a mix of technologies then? A whole bunch of battery electric vehicles, um, some hydrogen-only electric vehicles, for instance, in your. Um, you know, the forklifts and maybe other heavy machinery, and then possibly a, um, a whole bunch of hybrids um, in between, depending on what people's um, circumstances are. Yeah, I would, I would see it as being quite a big mix in the end. And part of that is simply every, everyone has different needs. And so the same way you have very different vehicle types today, you, you will have different vehicle types in the future and just a wider variety even. And also that everyone will, different regions will have very different preferences for their energy sources. And so it, it'll make sense to lean one way or, the, or another for a, a region as well. Um, so I think that there's also, there's another element to it that whether you look at hydrogen or battery electric vehicles, if you want to replace the amount of uh, of petrol and diesel that are used today, it's an absolutely phenomenal amount. <laughs> yeah. And so you're going to need to look at every possible source of, of energy to replace that in order to, to decarbonize. And, and I think the really big thing that still isn't getting nearly enough attention is, is energy efficiency, reducing how much energy you use. Do you, do you really need that big SUV? and also looking at much better public transport and people talking about automated cars as a solution and and these things i I think they're they're still missing the point that everything we do has an impact and that we really need to look at reducing that impact rather than trying to find more and more sources of, of energy 
It's getting harder, isn't it? We, we, we've been talking about energy efficiency for years and years and years now. And look, um, I guess it might have worked with people's fridges and things like that. People <laughs> seem to be reasonably accepting of an energy efficient fridge. But um, it seems we're going the other way in road transport, isn't it? Because we went down to small cars and now all of a sudden people aren't buying small cars anymore. They want these um, SUVs and they're becoming overwhelmingly the most popular car on the market. And they just seem, as you suggest... A lot bigger than most people would need them to be for most of their driving and um, I guess we're going the same way with some of the battery electric vehicles we've got an awful lot of capacity that we're building into those cars that we probably wouldn't use apart from just a couple of times a year yeah and it's really a cultural thing but I think it's also heavily dependent on regulatory and, and pricing and taxing and, and subsidies and all of these things as well what uh, direction the, the whole market moves and at the moment everyone's really trying to make the individual happy with giving them all the freedom they want and <laughs> and having the biggest car they can have and uh, and having their weekends <laughs> exactly <laughs> but uh, yeah it's it's definitely a concern for for the world as we know it because uh, we are just consuming more and more of our resources and and whether it's the the carbon emissions or even just the amount of things we're digging out of the ground and you start looking at the copper supplies and how much copper goes into each one of these electric vehicles and, and um, you know people talk a lot about lithium and cobalt supplies as well and nickel supplies for the batteries and platinum for the fuel cells so if you do replace every single vehicle with an electric vehicle whether it's hydrogen or batteries you're going to use up enormous amounts of natural resources and so all of this is just simply not sustainable. Mm. Mm. What is your view that I'd just like to go back and, and point out for those sort of underinnings out? We're not suggesting for a moment that weekends are under threat from either battery fuel, uh, battery battery vehicles or fuel cell vehicles. Um, that's a lot of nonsense. Um, but look, given the need, uh, given the amount of fuel that we do use, um, um, oil and diesel or and uh, petrol and diesel in cars and what have you, and um, in in just so much of our in- industry and heating, how confident are you that we can actually make this shift um, as quickly as we need to be able to do? Well, I, I think it's human nature not to do things in time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> so uh, I, think, I think we're going to have some difficulties in the future and, and already I think it's time to start looking at how do we mitigate and how do we cope with the effects because we're already seeing far more well, so-called natural disasters and you know, flooding and cyclones and, you know, when we're having two cyclones colliding <laughs> across mm. Australia. And, um, it, there's, there's already so much going on that we really need to start focusing a lot on how are we going to survive uh, when things do start to get really rough. And, mm. uh, and it's probably only once it is very late that we will start to turn the tide on uh, what's caused in the first place and uh, yeah it's definitely a risk it's uh, but human beings are very good at adapting the earth will will continue to rotate a lot of species will die and and uh, there'll be a lot of changes but um, you know eventually things will come to a new equilibrium I guess 
Oh dear, that's not an entirely, um, <laughs> entirely cheerful <laughs> outlook. How quickly can we go in Australia then? I mean, we're talking about this, for, for instance, this um, uh, Labor target of 50% electric vehicles by 2030. Um, now, presumably that can be battery or it could be fuel cell vehicles if those um, cars come into production early enough and cost competitive. I mean, do you think it's a reasonable um, target or do you think we can actually go quicker than that? I think you can go as quickly as you want when, when you put the right measures in place. I mean, you can phase out one technology and phase in another very, very quickly if you simply make it illegal to buy the other one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's true. So it, it's, I guess it's, uh, it's a judgment call how quickly things can change with uh, the culture and the social acceptance. And living in a democracy, of course, means that... Uh, you do have to convince all the people that they want to do it rather than uh, some some countries that might be able to impose that a lot more easily. Mm. Just one final question. Um, when it comes time to, to, to shift, which, um, which vehicle are you going to choose? Or haven't you decided yet? Well, uh, I really or like... Have you, the, or have you already chosen? <laughs> I, I really like the idea of, of the uh, fuel cell battery hybrid simply because I, I can just charge it at home and take care of all of my all of my day-to-day based on my home electricity supply and then uh, when I want to go a long ways I can get the hydrogen happening. Mm, okay well we'll see if one of those cars turns up into Australia anytime soon. I think um, I think Hyundai actually talking about um, their next um, vehicle, their next electric vehicle will not be a battery one it'll be a fuel cell one so um, we'll see how that comes onto the market um, either later this year or early next year and um, and how that performs and what sort of price it is and um, look at interest. Stephanie, it's um, been great talking to you. Um, thanks very much for your perspective and insight. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, then. Thanks very much. That's another episode of uh, The Driven Podcast and we'll be back next week. And um, thanks for listening and bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for lawn and gardening maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero emission, petrol-free lawn and garden maintenance.